Devarim chapter 12 is a very interesting chapter. So the Torah speaks what will happen when we enter the land. When we enter the land, the Torah says that there is to be one central place of, of worship and one central place of sacrifice. Unlike the land in which you enter, you will see many shrines all across the land. Chapter 12, and we are commanded, says the Torah, to destroy them. Don't do this for your God. That is to say, it doesn't mean, in the simple meaning, doesn't mean don't destroy your, your altars. That's obvious. These don't have any altars. But look to the site where God chooses to put God's name, to establish God's name there. There you will go. There you will bring In verse number 6, there you will bring your sacrifices. And the Torah repeats that again. And then the Torah says, after it emphasizes that it is forbidden to bring sacrifices in places other than the place that God has chosen, the Torah says, in verse number 20, When God enlarges your territory, as God has spoken, And you say, I wish to eat meat. Because you desire meat. You may eat meat according to your desire. If the place where God has established God's name is too far from you, you may slaughter any of the cattle or sheep that the Lord gives you, as I have instructed you, and you may eat to your heart's content in your settlements. So what does that mean, as I have instructed you? So here we have a debate in the Talmud, and this debate in the Talmud is reflected in a debate between Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi and Ahmadis disagree about what it means, as I have commanded you. Rashi's view is that I, as, as I have commanded you, it's permitted to eat meat in your own homes. You don't have to eat, go to the central place of sacrifice if you want to eat a piece of meat. But you have to slaughter the animal as I have commanded you. And Rashi says that refers to an oral commandment about the way meat is to be slaughtered. There are things that invalidate the slaughtering, and those were given orally, they're not written in the Torah. And says Rashi, there's a reference here to an oral tradition about the way meat is to be slaughtered. That's kasher tziviticha. Now, Nachmanides disagrees with Rashi, and the disagreement is very central to the chapter. And it comes back to a different issue. When Israel traveled in the desert, in the center of the camp, there was the Mishkan, the sacred space in the center of the camp, the place where you bring sacrifices. What if you wish to eat a piece of meat? So Rashi's opinion is that you wish to eat a piece of meat that's not a sacrifice, you're perfectly entitled to do so. But Ramban has a different opinion. And this takes us back to Vayikra, chapter 17. The Ramban argues that the plain meaning of the Torah in chapter 17 is that if you wish to eat meat when you're traveling in the desert, you can only eat the meat if you bring it as a sacrifice. Those animals that are 
legitimately brought in sacrifices, and those are the animals typically you would eat, the domesticated animals, are only permitted to eat them if brought as a sacrifice. That all changes, says the Ramban, when you come into the land, and that's the meaning of our chapter, chapter 12 of Devarim. Sacrifices can only be brought in one place, the place that God has chosen to establish God's name. However, if you desire to eat a piece of meat, you may do so, but you have to slaughter the animal, kasher tziviticha, which according to the Ramban means, slaughter the animal as I have commanded you, vis-a-vis sacrifices. Sacrifices are brought first by slaughtering, then collecting the blood, throwing the blood on the altar, parts of the animal are burnt. That's a sacrifice. When it comes to meat, that's not a sacrifice, what's called chulin, you may eat the meat, says the Torah, provided that you perform the first ritual of sacrifice, which is slaughtering. So it's very interesting. According to the Ramban, fundamentally, all meat, sacrifice and non-sacrifice, requires, one might say, an act of sacrifice. The act of sacrifice is the first act of sacrifice, which is the slaughtering of the animal. Now, when it comes to a sacrifice, you throw the blood upon the altar. That's the critical uh, act that you do in the Torah when you bring a sacrifice. But when it comes to an animal that's not a sacrifice, so the act of shrito you must do, kashet ticha. But when it comes to the blood, there is no altar upon which to throw the blood. So the Torah says, you are not permitted to eat the blood, of course. And later on, Rak Chazak in verse 23, Levilti, make sure, Levilti achol hadam, ki adam nefesh. Blood represents the life. You may not eat the life together with the meat. Torah repeats it. Do not eat it. Cast it upon the ground like water. Do not eat it. Referring to the blood. So we have a very basic dispute between Rashi and the Ramban. The Ramban would appear, I think, to be the plain reading of the Torah. And that is, things change when you come into the land. There's a concession when you come into the land. And the reason for the concession is what the Torah says. The place is too far away. When you come into the land, and this is a central feature of the book of Devarim, you have the central place the centralized place of worship, all other places become forbidden when that place that God has chosen. However, there's still a permissibility to eat meat, provided that there's a recognition that life belongs to God. It's very interesting in this context to remember that when the Torah began, first chapter of the Torah, and God, at the end of chapter 1 of Genesis, tells the human or the humans, what may be eaten. So the Torah says that the human being may eat the fruit and the vegetation. The animals, says the Torah, are only allowed to eat the vegetation, but not to eat the fruit. But nobody, apparently, is allowed to eat meat. That's completely forbidden. The permissibility to eat meat was given only to Noah. Noah is permitted to eat meat after the flood, after Noah was responsible 
for saving the animals and allowing the world to continue, or a new world to continue. And Noah takes various animals and brings them onto the ark together with himself. So when Noah leaves the ark, the world has changed. There's a different relationship now between the human being and the natural order. And in this context, Noah brings sacrifices, and God says to Noah, you are permitted to eat meat with certain restrictions. The blood is still forbidden. You can't, of course, eat blood, because blood represents life, a life force, and that belongs to God alone. But there's a different relationship now between the human being and the natural order. God said to Noah, for example, Umorachem v'chitchem yehiyeh, the fear and dread of you, says God in chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 2, The fear and dread of you shall be upon all the beasts of the earth and upon the birds of the sky, everything with which the earth is astir, and upon all the fish of the sea are given into your hand. That changes with Noah. But in the first instantiation of the world, the eating of meat was forbidden. And one can raise legitimately the question, I think, whether the permissibility of eating meat is a permissibility, but not necessarily what is optimal. That, I think, as far as the Torah is concerned, is an open question. What's interesting is that in the book of Vayikra, in chapter 7, there's another prohibition, which again is related, as the Ramban would see it, to the idea of sacrifice. The sacrificial portion, of course, is the blood that's placed on the altar, and then also the best part of the animals, that's called the chalev, the suet, and that is God's portion of the sacrifice. And the Torah says, in chapter 7 of Vayikra, So there are two main prohibitions, two most significant prohibitions of what one may not eat. One is the blood, and the other is the fat of the animal, the chalev. Only the chalev of the behemoth, of the domesticated animal, is forbidden. The chalev of the undomesticated animal is permissible. And presumably, that is related to the fact that only the behemoth is a worthy candidate for sacrifice. So both chalev and dam, each in their own way, are related to the idea that life belongs to God. There are situations where it is permissible to take life, as long as we recognize this great truth, that the nefesh, represented by the blood, the chalev of the sacrifice, God's portion, is off-limits. If the human recognizes this, then in our chapter, chapter 12, then given the fact that the sacred space is so far away, you may eat meat, says the Torah, as you desire.